0: Hello and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover and this is episode number 73, the one thing every new teacher must do to be successful. Today marks the start of New Teacher Jumpstart. This is going to be a six episode series all about being a new teacher and how to get off to a great start. I've gathered four other veteran teachers with a lot of experience, and we're gonna give you the real deal advice, some of the advice that no one tells you, and help you really make sure you get off to a great start. Even if you are an experienced teacher, I think you're gonna to wanna to listen to this series. We just talk about a lot of things that might be good reminders for you as you head into the new school year. Today, we're gonna to start off by talking about teacher self-care. It's going to be little snippets from myself, Heather, Allie, Kristen, and Jean, and we're all going to give you our best teacher self-care tip, all super practical. From there, we're going to talk about a different topic in each episode, all focused around this theme of new teacher jumpstart. The episodes are going to be coming pretty quick. They're going to be coming every few days. So if you are not subscribed to the E2E app podcast, please make sure you do that right now so you get notifications that new episodes are up. We're going to start with teacher self-care in this episode. Then we're going to talk about relationships, curriculum and planning, setting up your classroom, grading and assessment, and IEPs and 504s. Before we get started today, I wanna bring back a tradition I haven't really been doing in a while, which is reading reviews from the podcast store that all of you left. K-S-S-K-S-J-F-M left a five-star review titled, A Fun and Professional Podcast. I love listening to this podcast. Carrie is very real and to the point, interviews interesting people in the education world, and I can tell she genuinely wants to help educators. I'm always checking for new episodes and I gain something from each one. Well, wow. Thanks for that amazing review. You are right. I do genuinely want to help educators. I am real and I am to the point. So let's get to the point of this podcast, teacher self-care. I'm going to start off with my number one tip for teacher self-care, and that is, That as you are teaching throughout the day and in your personal life, it's really, really important to pay attention to your various moods. I'm going to be real with you. You are not going to be happy all day, every day as a teacher. That is not reality. That's not the reality of life. We are not built as human beings to only feel the emotion of happiness and joy all the time. So one of the things that you can do is have a mood journal on your desk and Every time you get a break, just jot down a little note to yourself of what your mood is. The reason I want you to do this is you can start tracking and seeing trends in your mood. What things are kind of putting you in a you know, low mood or what things are kind of making you feel down or sad or angry and what things are bringing you joy and giving you energy and bringing happiness to your life. I'm obsessed with the Mood Meter, which is a tool that came out of Yale, and it gives you a spectrum of your moods based on your energy level and um, your like degree of happiness and sadness. Um, it's better if you look at it than when I explain it on the podcast. So paying attention to your mood and realizing that you're not always going to feel happy is your first step to self-care. It's okay to have various emotions, and one of the things that you can work on as a teacher is Maybe you come to work in kind of a bad mood. How do you self-soothe or what things can you do to kind of bring you to a place where you're ready to face your students? And then vice versa, if something at work happens that you know, really um, puts you, makes you feel sad or defensive or down, how do you self-soothe and find things that can make healthy ways to get yourself and your mind off of work and onto the things you want to do in your personal life? If you want to learn more about mood tracking and about how teacher mood can affect your life, we had a webinar this spring called Teacher Mood Plus Distance Learning. And um, we were talking about teacher mood and all of these tools. So if you want to watch that free webinar, you can head over to educators2educators.com backslash mood. In that webinar, I'm going to teach you all about your mood as a teacher and how you can regulate your mood and track your mood and really find patterns within yourself to help you find balance and joy in your life all right we are going to continue on this self-care journey today next up i am welcoming kristen harris hi kristen hi Kristen is part of the E2E team and she helps recruit talented, amazing teachers to present at the E2E virtual conferences. Kristen has an amazing background, which you are going to learn more about when she and I host you for the episode about relationships, which is going to be a really good one, a key one for all of us. But for today, we're just going to quickly dive in with Kristen. Like I said, you're going to get to know her and her background a little bit more um, during that episode. But Kristen, what are some of the tips that you have for new teachers regarding teacher self-care, especially for a first-year teacher?
1: Yeah. So my advice for first year teachers when it comes to self-care would, my first piece of advice is to understand that you don't have to take everything home with you and to leave work at work. Um, I think it's so important that you're not taking a load of work at home because you want those two spaces to be separate. You want to have your work life and then you want to have your home life where you enjoy your family or enjoy being home by yourself. And, I think my biggest problem when I was a first-year teacher was that I just took a lot of stuff home, and it stressed me out a lot.
0: I, I remember my first year of teaching. Kristen, there was a teacher across the hall, Maria. She is a veteran teacher, and she was like the calmest, coolest teacher ever. And <laughs> I remember her one day saying, because I would stay every day until about like 4.30 or 5 o'clock if not a little bit later every day. And she one day was like, Carrie, like, what are you doing until five o'clock? <laughs> every day?" <laughs> and I told her, I just really don't want I don't like taking anything physically home with mm-hmm. me from work. For me, psychologically, it just it, I just liked to get it all done when I was physically in the building. How were you in your first years? Were you similar? Were you different?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So actually what was happening is that my first year I was taking everything home and no one actually told me not to, but it got to the point where I was like, I can't spend any time with my at the time boyfriend and now husband, but I can't spend any time with him and I'm working on papers. I'm taking my laptop home. It was just so much and I wouldn't get done until like eight o'clock because what would happen is I'd watch a little TV, have dinner, want to relax, and then still have work. So I just decided that next year, my second year of teaching, that I was just going to stay at school until it got done. And when it was done, I would go home so that I could kind of separate those spaces. And I realized after I did that, that I was so much happier, so much more grounded, and my students benefited from it as well. So don't make the mistake that I did. Just do it your first year and, and don't worry about taking things
0: home. Just get it done at school. That's your space for that. You know, what's interesting too, is that um, when I had kids, that was something that was a really interesting transition for me. And that when school was over, I was so excited to go get, pick my kids up from their childcare and see them. And so it was tempting to leave right with the bell and so I could do right. that and bring work home thinking, oh, I'll do it after they go to sleep. Well, I wouldn't do it because I would be so tired. Exactly. So I I had to have the realization, you know, even if I in that by that time I was a veteran teacher, but if I just stayed even for an hour every day, reorganized, did a little planning, made sure my grading was done, when I left at 430 or 5 and I saw my kids, I actually was, like, a way better parent, so I totally agree with that advice.
1: And it it goes with your teaching as well. I think a lot of stress comes from teachers not being as prepared as they would like to be or um, they felt like they needed more time to get things done, uh, whatever the case may be, but when you just stay that extra hour or hour and a half after everybody else is leaving, you work on being organized, you get things done. And then the next day you're like, wow, I'm completely planned and ready for my classroom. I know my times when I was stressed was when I felt like I just wasn't ready for the day and I didn't have yeah. enough time. I wasn't an early riser, so I wasn't going to go in early, but, no, okay. <laughs> um, so I just really wanted to have that foundation so that when I came in the next day, I was prepared and that's less stress on me and on my kids.
0: 100%. I couldn't agree more. And uh, before we wrap up that topic, I've said this on our podcast a million times, Friday afternoons were the best planning hours for me. It was so tempting to want to go home and get Mm -hmm. an adult beverage and relax for the weekend. But if I stayed on that Friday afternoon and used those few hours and I had everything ready to go the next week, oh, it was the most amazing feeling walking in on Monday morning.
1: Same, because the teachers at my school would be scrambling on Mondays or coming in like at 5 a.m. just so that they can prepare for the week. And I already got it done on Friday. And it's so tempting, like you said, because at the school that I was at, all the teachers were leaving right on time. So I would just see them walk past my door. and I'm like, OK, bye, guys. But um, it just, it's just it's so much more relaxing and less stressful when you just leave work at work and don't take anything home for sure.
0: Speaking about work, you are the master of mindfulness, and you do a lot to really help teachers be in touch with, you know, their thinking and how they're feeling and being present. So let's talk about some breathing exercises that new teachers can do while at school that are a form of self-care.
1: Definitely. And not only are these going to be for teachers, but this is a great tool that you can use in the classroom. Um... I noticed that when my students were less stressed, I was less stressed as well. So it's an activity you guys can actually do together. But as far as breathing exercises and being a first year teacher, which sounds so odd because you would think that's not something you'd have to think about in your first year, but it will be. (laughs) So (laughs) here are a couple of breathing exercises that are very beneficial um, for first year teachers and for anybody really. The first one I like to call, I don't really have creative names for these, I just call them what they are. The first one I like to call the in five, hold five, out five, and that is when you breathe in for five seconds, you hold for five seconds, and then you breathe out for five seconds. What this kind of does is regulates your breath pattern and helps your rational brain to start thinking. So instead of being stressed out about an observation or instead of being stressed out about, you know, the grading that you have to get done, this is a good way to kind of just be in the present moment, settle, get your rational brain back to what it normally is when you're not panicking. Um, and that that's honestly my favorite breathing exercise
0: to do. And I love um, that because you could do that in those moments where, let's say you're taking your kids to an assembly or art class or something, and you're kind of standing there with this time in the hallway. Like that's a great time to do that, to kind of get everyone focused, get them calm, clear their heads before they transition into something new. I like that that's nice and quick. Absolutely.
1: And all of these breathing exercises are very nice and quick. I know that I used to do this just on my walk to planning. Like I used to get a lot of anxiety about the fact that sometimes my planning periods were taken up by meetings. Cause I'm like, I got stuff to get done yeah. <laughs> and I would be on my way to meetings. I would just do this breathing exercise in the hallway and you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to sit in the Lotus position. Um, those things are nice when you have the time to do that. But really the goal of meditation and the, the, Purpose behind meditation is not so that you look a certain way, but so that you get the same benefits that you would, whether if you were sitting down or walking in the hallway.
0: Yep. Love it.
1: Another um, meditation that I love to do that's very quick and simple is the lion's breath. And basically, (laughs) this is a good way to get frustration out. I used to do this one a lot when I had to, after dealing with a challenging student, but you breathe in for five seconds and then you just breathe out very loudly. And this might be kind of weird to do if you're not doing it with your whole class. (laughs) So, um, you know, I would make sure maybe you close the door to your classroom and do it. It's it's the equivalency of, you know, kind of yelling at a pillow type. But you breathe in for five seconds, and then you just breathe out as loud as you possibly can. Um, You're not screaming, but it's just a way to release that adrenaline and release that frustration?
0: You know, I, I had a nurse once tell me she's like very much into like holistic medicine that, um, you know, our bodies, you know, way back when we were cavemen and women that like <laughs> when something scared us, right. It was mm-hmm. like, we had this flood of adrenaline and our muscles all tensed up. And then what we would do to release that is run. Uh-huh. Because usually It was an animal, so, or danger, right? Right. And so we still have those reflexes that come to us where something frightens us or kind of takes us off guard. And I remember those things kind of happening to me at school, but, um, she used the example of, um, maybe a, you're driving and someone almost hits you and you kind of like tense up. Mm-hmm. And, and then she was saying what happens now is we keep all that tension in our body because we're not running away. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. And she was saying one thing you can do is to kind of like tense up like that. And then shake your body out, like literally just shake it all out. And yes. ever since she taught me that, I do notice myself um, using that. And it is a nice little release. So it kind, really of exercise kind of reminds me of that.
1: Yeah. And and it goes back to, to like holding your breath is kind of the same thing, that clenching up and kind of holding it, making everything stop so that you can release it. Um, that That's a good point that your nurse made. That's really cool.
0: Do you have any other tips for us breathing-wise that a teacher could use for themselves in the classroom or outside of the classroom?
1: One more tip. Um, We breathe all the time without noticing it. Um, We're breathing right now as we're talking, and we didn't really give it a conscious thought. So the whole point of meditation is being in the moment, and the whole point of mindfulness is being in the moment and giving conscious thought to your breathing. So it doesn't matter what you do to breathe. You could breathe just how you're breathing right now, but when you sit down and actually give conscious thought to it, that's where the benefits kick in. So a lot of people find that hard. They say, how do I give conscious thought to my breathing? Because I'm thinking about breathing and then I'll start thinking about something else. (laughs) So my best tip, especially, you know, this is really good to do with your students too, especially if you're working with early learners. But um, my best tip for teachers when it comes to being cautious about your breathing is counting your breathing. And it's just that simple. Um, maybe you count one breath in, one breath out, two breaths in, two breaths out. And that's mm. what you say in your head so that your mind isn't all over the place. So I know that that's one tip that teachers really appreciate because they're like, well, then when I sit down, I'm thinking about lesson planning. And I'm thinking about that fact that Billy can't have peanuts in class and someone brought peanuts in. (laughs) I'm like, just count your breathing. It's that simple.
0: That's something you can do silently too. If you are feeling a little stressed, which you will, or maybe angry. I mean, there's times when you're a teacher that you feel angry or you feel upset. Mm -hmm. I like that one a lot because I feel like that's something you could do very easily without anyone knowing you're doing it.
1: Right. And another way that you can um, be conscious about your breathing without someone knowing that you're doing it. um, This sounds kind of like cliche, but a stress ball, like,
2: um,
1: you know, pumping the stress ball in your hand, counting how many times you're pumping while you're taking deep breaths. That's another way you can do it without anyone really noticing or, you know, hearing you do anything
0: well I really love these tips and tricks this whole episode is about self care and we're going to get you back on we're doing a whole episode together which I'm really excited about about relationships so we're going to talk about relationships with students relationships with parents and relationships with colleagues so Kristen I'm super excited to get you back on here
1: I'm so excited thanks
0: guys Heather Campbell is an important member of the E2E team, and she's gonna talk about self-care in relation to having good mentors. So Heather, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks, Carrie. Heather, give us a quick synopsis of who you are.
2: So I've been in the education field for about 15 years. I'm currently an instructional coach in Southern Utah, Um, But I've previously been a classroom teacher, and then I went to like a district-level coach where I worked in 14 different schools. And this coming year, I am going to be going back to a single school, working with the whole faculty as a learning coach. And then I'm also the community manager at Educators to Educators, so I really do love everything that you do.
0: Well, thanks, Heather. We're going to dive more into what you do at E2E in that podcast in which we're talking about, um, you know, our relationships and we're talking, you're going to dive really deep into thinking about grading and assessment. So we'll talk a little bit more with Heather about her past when we get to that point. But for now, for this self-care themed uh, episode, Heather, what do you think is why do you think it is important for us to find good mentors and how does that relate to teacher self-care?
2: I truly feel that I could not have survived my years in the classroom and it doesn't matter if it was my first year in the classroom or my 10th year in the classroom. I needed to have somebody that I could turn to if I had a question, if I needed help, if I needed to brainstorm. So that sometimes they were the ones that were helping me get out kind of of a rut or I needed somebody who I just felt I could go to when I needed to, I don't want to say vent because that's not necessarily the thing that you want to be doing. But if you just need to talk to somebody, it makes all the difference if you find somebody that you can trust.
0: Yes. And trust is so key in find, you know, you're going to be assigned probably a new mentor or two as a new teacher. So there's going to be those formal mentors, but then you find informal mentors. So can you talk a little bit about the quality of more of that informal mentor that's not assigned to you? How do you, how do you find and what qualities should you look for and, and you know, how do you approach them? How do you kind of give them that unofficial role in your new teacher life?
2: Yeah, and I think that as you're going through teaching, you'll find that it is those informal mentors that really do help you more than the formal mentors, just because then you really are building that relationship. And it's not about like checking a box of, I need to help this person do this. So when you very first get into a school, you are trying to figure out the school culture and how does this school work? I think one of the first things you need to do is find somebody who has been at the school before, and it doesn't have to be several years. It could be someone who's only been there a year before, but you need to find someone who can help answer all of these questions. Like, how do you deal with parent-teacher conference? What field trips do you go on? How does your school handle holidays? What is the homework policy? A lot of these questions you only need to ask one time, and it might just be someone on your grade level that is going to be able to answer those the best. But, and we talked about trust a little bit, you also need to feel with this person that you can ask these questions. There's not going to be any judgment but also knowing that they're not going to run to somebody else and discuss everything that you have talked about. So sometimes, yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest keys you can look for is as you get to know people, you know, two things come to mind. First of all, one, one way you can find the person that you're talking about, Heather is Look around on those first days of school in the professional development and in the staff meetings, look around which teachers are actively listening, which teachers aren't on their phone or, you know, writing out their schedule while someone's talking, like who's actively listening to the speaker and being a respectful colleague. So I think that's one way that you can be like, hmm, Like that person is really being respectful, obviously respects the school, respects, you know, the procedures at the school. And then I would say, as you get to know people, and this is true in life, like if, if you're talking to a teacher and they're telling you things about other teachers and being kind of gossipy, probably not the best person to confide in and to pick as a mentor.
2: A hundred percent. I agree with that. And you can find that in the faculty room really quickly. I have been blessed where I've been at schools and I've never had that negative faculty meeting that I hear people talk about. So that hasn't been a problem for me, but I do know lots of other people who refuse to go to the faculty room because they know that it is just the gossip and the negative attitude and the negative feelings in there. Um, Another thing I think you need to watch out for, and especially... If you're a brand new teacher, you wouldn't even realize this. But you need to also be a little bit weary of the first person who comes to approach you. Yes,
0: yes, 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 Heather, yes.
2: (laughs) Because this person sometimes has already made it around the rest of the teachers and they know this is the person to avoid. It's almost like they're trying to find somebody else to join their little team. And of course, the new teacher is the very first place to go. I feel like it's the same with kids on a playground, right? Yep. Yep. As a teacher, you kind of try to put, if you have a new student, you want to assign somebody to them, because if not, you know exactly who's going to go try and befriend them (laughs) at first. And it's the ones who you don't necessarily want their example rubbing off on the new kid.
0: Yep. I can, it, it, it happened to me like my first job right out of college, like right after my teaching degree and the teacher that was coming after me, she needed friends. <laughs> and, um, and I don't think, I do think they're like, I know more as I became more of a veteran teacher, I always was super welcoming to new teachers. I always went up and said, hello. I think you'll know just be wary. You'll be able to feel them out pretty quickly. Um, you know, kind of who, I mean, really, I think it comes down to, would you agree, Heather, like thinking about your own values? Like if you value positivity and hard work and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think positivity for me is probably something I always look for in new relationships. So if that's something you value, find a teacher that also, you know, resembles that.
2: Absolutely. And I think for me, it's also, I have found the biggest mentors for me have been the ones who are not necessarily like me at all. Yeah. Like we work well together because we come from two different viewpoints. So then when it comes to like trying to collaborate on a lesson, I can bring my ideas and they can bring their ideas and we come up with something great But so also look for the people who are not exactly like you, who can really bring out things in you that you didn't realize were there.
0: Absolutely. Yes. So I think, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more in future episodes about these relationship building um, tactics and not only with students and parents, but with colleagues. But as a form of self-care, it really is important that you build relationships. And like you said, Heather, it's not to necessarily go vent to, but you're going to find yourself in situations that feel uncomfortable or a little scary or that you don't know how to react to. And if you have built strong relationships, you're going to know who to go to immediately when you get yourself into those situations. And that goes back to self-care because you need to be able to communicate your feelings. You need to be able to communicate when you find yourself in uncomfortable situations.
2: Absolutely. I think that's 100% correct.
0: Well, Heather, thanks for sharing your wisdom. And I can't wait to have you in our future new teacher jumpstart episodes that are coming up. So thanks for joining us and giving us your wisdom as always. Allie Szynski is joining us to talk about how saying no is such an important part of teacher self-care, especially as a new teacher. Allie is going to be joining us in a few episodes. Oh, this is the the episode we recorded with Allie is about how to navigate uh, IEPs and 504s and how they can be so overwhelming. So in her full episode, you want to make sure you listen to that. She gives you so many good tips and tricks. But Ali, welcome to the E2E podcast. Hello. And we are actually recording this after we recorded the IEP and 504 session that's coming up, but man, it was a good one. So thanks for taking the time to do that. But today we're talking about saying no. Why do you think this is so important for new teachers?
3: As a new teacher, you're excited, right? It's your first job in the field, you're passionate about it. And generally there's so much that we actually want to do in our schools. We want to coach track and we want to run homework club and we want to be on the MTSS committee and all of those things. But it's really hard when we're trying to actually get our classrooms running the way that we want them to. And we're spending time getting used to writing new pieces of paperwork and lesson plans the way that our schools and our districts want us to. So actually saying yes to all those things might make teaching a whole lot harder. So when we learn how to say no and just make our yeses the things that are crucial, it can really change your headspace as a new teacher.
0: Well, and we talked about, too, I mean, the reality is, is that people are keeping a close eye on new teachers and how they're doing um, there's no way around it, right? Like, you are under a little bit of a microscope scope sometimes as a new teacher. So I think what you're really touching on is not only your own self-care, but making sure you're doing quality work. And quality means not doing a bunch of quantity work, right? Like totally. Getting you know, on all those committees. And and frankly, Allie, like, if you were a first-year teacher again and someone ran up to you and were like, Allie, we want you to be in charge of the science fair. What? What do you, what would you think about that?
3: I mean, am I qualified to run the science fair, right? It's like, I want to <laughs> witness the science fair first. I want to see what it is. You know, science fairs are different everywhere. So I yes. think one way that you can say it is, you know, I want to be involved. Like I, w- I would love to help with it. Um, I'm not sure that I'm in a place to run it quite yet. You know, maybe I can do that in a few years once I kind of have my feet under me, but that kind of thing is going to be super hard to do as a new teacher, as much as we probably want to.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, if if someone's trying to hand the science fair off to the brand-new teacher, maybe the science fair is in shambles.
3: It's <laughs> so know, we, true, we, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Something
3: also to remember is I think sometimes people remember how much energy a new teacher has, and so they might try to say, hey, it's really important for you to be involved. Do you want to do this? And it's sort of like they know that new teachers have a lot of energy, and so they kind of try to give them a lot to do. So it's also important just to know yourself, know what you can handle, and, you know, be a little bit more low-key that first year and be able to say no and kind of in a respectful and professional way put your foot down and just say, you know, I really want to focus on my teaching this year, and that's okay.
0: Yep. And you can say, you know what, I'm on the blah, blah, blah committee and I want to do my best work there. If I take on something else, I'm going to stretch myself too thin. Like, yeah,
3: I love that so, language too.
0: Yeah, like just making sure that you, whatever you say yes to, you're doing so well. I mean, that's in life. That's as a, I feel that way as like a experienced human, you know? Sure. Um, you do. Like you don't want to do things halfway.
3: Right, right. And your first job, like, you're going to be busy, so.
0: Yes. What would you say, Ellie, kind of to wrap this up, what do you think if you are a new teacher and you've said yes to too much and you're feeling like you're in over your head? Do you have any tips for how to kind of navigate that?
3: Sure. I think just making sure that you do rely on those strong mentors that you have hopefully, you know, put yourself underneath during your first years of teaching and going to them and saying, you know, I feel like I'm stretched too thin. What is a way that I can manage this or maybe backtrack in a professional way within our school setting? Because each culture of a school is going to look different depending on if you can back out of something or you can't back out of something or, you know, what things like that look like. So I think that's important, but then also just making sure that, maybe there is a little bit too much on your plate for this one particular season, making sure that if that's just going to be a reality that you're really looking to manage your time and that you're making the most of every moment so that you're not going to end
0: up even more in over your head. Perfect. I love that you brought up the mentors I and mean, we're talking about that a lot. Uh, we talked about that with Heather. I think having a great mentor also that will go to bat for you Um and you know kind of say hey wait a second everybody's pulling Allie to in too many directions we need to look at this as like as a staff and I also loved what you said Allie loved 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 what you said about the school culture is different at every school so having those experienced mentors will help you navigate the culture
3: definitely yeah you need someone to advocate for you especially at the beginning when you might accidentally say yes to too many things and you know, not really realizing that you did that. And a mentor can really help you sort of navigate what that's going to look like.
0: Perfect. Well, Allie, we will see you talking about IEPs and 504s here soon. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and sharing your self-care tip. Of course. Thanks for having me. So we just wrapped up talking to Heather about picking great mentors for yourself as a new teacher. And next, we're going to be talking to Jean, Jean Waltz. Welcome to the E2E podcast. Thank you so much. We've been here before and you're coming back and you are doing an entire episode about curriculum planning, which is a, a biggie, right? Yes. For new teachers, this curriculum. But today we want to hear your top self-care tip. And you were telling me this great concept that energy is a bank account. So mm-hmm. what do you mean by that, Jean?
4: Yeah. So when we hear things about self-care, I think two things are often talked about. I know that you talk about this and other people are going to talk about this in this episode. Um, and two, the two things that you hear are things about decreasing your commitment. So things like learning to say no and making sure that you're not putting out too much energy for different things or cutting down time and work. Um, And then you also hear kind of self-soothing ideas. So like have a bath or like drink a glass of wine or things like that. And what I noticed that was missing from these conversations in terms of self-care and preventing burnout is a conversation about finding things to add to your life that fill you up, give you energy and give you joy. So that may, that's what makes me think about our energy as a bank account. So those things like your commitments, your work responsibilities, all the things that you need to do during the day, you can think of as your energy withdrawals. They they decrease your energy, they drain you during the day. Even if they're necessary, they're still draining. What you need to do more than just decrease those energy withdrawals in order to have a full bank account and have lots of energy and be happy is you need to learn how to replenish that energy too. So what I love to tell new teachers is don't just have a plan for how to decrease your work this year or put up boundaries around your time and your energy, but also be intentional about adding activities and even commitments to your life that fill you up and give you joy because that is your energy income. That is what is going to help you prevent you from going what I call energy bankrupt or burnout.
0: So that's well, what, and I, that's it's what about I think. Having like that honest conversation with yourself, right? Yes. Ooh, I've talked about this before. As I'm getting older, I'm realizing things that maybe people think give them energy actually are energy suckers or Mm. they like drain energy from you and you don't, you have to look deep to say, do what? Like for me, like I love to go get my nails done, but it actually is kind of an energy drain for me to get my nails done. (laughs) It's weird um, because it's like, I have to sit there for like half an hour, 45 minutes. It makes me kind of feel anxious. Like, Oh, all the other things I could be getting done. And I don't, really want to have small talk. But at the end of the day, having my nails done makes me feel nice. Like I like having it done, but the process of it it makes me feel drained. So I feel like it is really important, especially if you're younger and you're just maybe starting your first job or you're just getting your first apartment or you're, you know, on that new part of your life, it's time for you independently to figure out what actually makes you happy. Would you agree? Yes,
4: absolutely. And, um, I think that what that makes me think about Carrie is, um, for example, we were just talking about the people that you spend your time with. So, um, I know when I was a new teacher and I was so low on time, if I hung out with friends, I felt like it was this like kind of an accomplishment. Like, yes, I was social. I did something for me, <laughs> but over time I realized that there were certain friends I was hanging out with that at the end, like you're saying, I felt more drained than, than, um, recharged or happy. I felt I didn't feel very good after I hung out with those friends. Many times they were teacher friends. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So it's about being intentional and finding those people that during the year and while you're teaching that fill you up, that make you happy after you hang out with them and intentionally planning time with those people.
0: I love that.
4: Yeah. And there's a few other, um, do you want me to talk about a few other ideas for new teachers?
0: Absolutely, Give us all your knowledge. Awesome. So <laughs> you, talk to a, you talk to a lot of teachers in your role, which everyone's going to learn about Jean and what she does with teacher off duty, um, in her podcast episode that's coming up. But you talk to a lot of teachers. So you know your stuff when it comes around self-care. So tell us everything you got.
4: Yeah. So, um, there's a few things I really recommend. Again, I'm going to say intentional, like a hundred times because (laughs) it has to be intentional. We as teachers, just by nature, give and give and give and give and give. And it's not, it's not an automatic thing for many of us to intentionally plan and carve space for ourselves, um, for things that are purely to make Ourselves happier and and replenish that energy. So one thing I recommend teachers to do, and something I did my first year, is to identify a hobby and commit to doing it. And you're probably thinking like, why would I do that? Like I'm I already have like a hundred things going on. Why would I I would Why would I add one more thing to my list? This is not a time for me to start a new hobby. <laughs> but as starting a hobby gives you something routine, something that is absolutely not related to teaching that can give you joy. My first year teaching, I tell the story, I think, in the other podcast episode um, we recorded together, Carrie, but uh, I talk about how somebody asked me how many things that day I had done that gave me joy. And the only thing I could come up with was taking a hot shower. And so I decided I needed to change that, and I decided I wanted to try a hobby. I couldn't think of a hobby, so I literally Googled hobbies to come up with an idea, and I picked crocheting, and I just taught myself how to crochet that week, and every night when I came home from work, I just sat on my couch, I watched a show, and I crocheted, and I felt it was incredible, just a half an hour of that every night, what it did to me the whole rest of the day at school. I was calmer happier. I could handle things more just because I was replenishing that energy that I had drained all day. So that's one idea. The second idea, sorry, go ahead. No, I just said I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the second idea is to um, make sure that you're planning some kind of exercise during the day. Uh, there is, and I'm, and I'm saying that as someone who does not like committing to exercise plans or anything like that. And the reason I say that, one, is because exercise is one of the best things that you can do to combat anxiety and depression, um, Mm -hmm. which is very, very real risk for teachers and new teachers especially. Um, And the second thing is because um, there's this awesome book called Burnout. I forget the author. But she talks about how when you're stressed out, we are designed, um, like, when we we as human beings are designed to run from stress. So like, let's say like a lion is coming to attack you, you, your body is programmed to think, okay, I need to run. And so after you run and you escape that lion and you're in a place of safety, that's when you feel this release and you, and that stress leaves your body. So that's how our our bodies are programmed to handle stress. So now in the workplace, if you're just dealing with your teaching stresses during the day, if you don't come home and find a way to release, like run or play tennis or even just go for a walk or something like that, your body still thinks that you are in danger. So having some plan for exercising during the year, even if it's just taking a walk around the block is huge for replenishing that energy during, um, during the year. And then two other things, one we we kind of touched on is planning social events and being very intentional about the people you're spending time with. There's a fantastic blog post by Jennifer Gonzalez from the Cult of Pedagogy about identifying your marigolds, which are just teachers that fill you up and make you feel really good about yourself um, and make you a better teacher. And so finding those people in the building that make you feel that way is critical and then trying to spend as much time with those people as you can. Um, And then, of course, trying to spend time with people outside of school that with people that fill you up. And then the last thing I would recommend, and this one is a little bit tricky if you're listening to this in 2020. Hopefully it's only tricky in 2020, but um, is planning a trip. So it doesn't have to be far away. Many of us can't go very far these days with COVID. Um, but even if you just plan uh, in a couple weekends going for a drive into to another town or um, going to a new neighborhood and going to a park, anything to get you out of your bubble that you go every single day to school and home again um, is going to help you re- replenish that energy, refresh Um, how you're feeling that week Um, and it's really really important again to plan this intentionally so um, yeah those are those are the things that I would really recommend to plan before the school year starts plan in which hobby you're going to do what's your exercise plan are you going to have a buddy with you Who do you want to spend time with and how are you going to make sure that that's regular? How, where do you want to go within that first month? When, when are you going to break that bubble and go and and do something different and go somewhere different?
0: Well, and everything that you've said today in this portion of the podcast is really about you not letting your life control you Mm. you controlling your life Mm -hmm. and really being intentional. There's that word again about, What is filling up your day? Even in your teaching, yep. are you overcomplicating things? Are you trying to push the gas pedal too fast at the beginning of the school year? Are you keeping things simple so that you can really control the things that you can control? Because as a teacher, you can have plenty of things you can't control, but you can control who you make plans with on the weekend. You can control if you block off time on Sunday afternoon to get in a nice long walk with you know, yourself listening to podcasts, those are mm-hmm. things you can control. Yep. So when you were talking, that's what really kept going through my head is, you know, don't let, let life happen to you. You plan out the life that you want.
4: Yep. Yeah. And I think so often as new teachers, you think, okay, well, I'm in, I'm new, so I'm just going to spend all these hours now and then it'll get better. But the secret is it doesn't get better until you decide to make it better. That's just the secret. Yep. I worked long, long, long hours until I finally decided, you know what? I'm done. I'm not I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to plan something after school so I have to get away and do something that I like. So yep. it's all about being that uh, being intentional with that.
0: I love that. Well, we are excited to have you in a few podcast episodes, so everyone make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you can hear from Kristen, Allie, um Jean, Heather, and myself as we guide you through the real deal. Like we are giving it to you real. We're not sugarcoating it. We're going to tell you the stuff that your college professors probably didn't tell you and get you ready for that first day of school. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're on the E2E email list um, and checking our blogs and checking back on these podcasts. Jean, thank you so much for your time with E2E and our new teachers today.